Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mama Marketer podcast. I am your host, Olivia, and I am here with my friend, Morgan. And uh, Morgan, we actually met through my sister, Rebecca. Um, mm-hmm. You guys went to college together, and then you had recently, yep. um, you visited the farm not too long ago. And yeah. so that's kind of how, yeah, that's kind of how we met. And of course, we just were following each other on Instagram for a long time. And we finally, I finally got up the courage to ask her to come on my show. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to let you go. And why don't you tell us um, just a little bit about yourself, um, where you went to school, what you studied. And then I always ask people like, what's your day job when you're not making content Uh and chatting with me? What's your day job? (laughs) Yeah. So I went to Benedictine College with Olivia's sister, Rebecca. We were in the same class, graduated 2018. I majored in theology and at the moment, what my day job would be. So I don't know if you're looking for me to say like, oh, other than being a content creator, but honestly, that that's what I'm doing full time is my ministry, but also public speaking and writing a book. So I guess author as well, rising author. Um, But I've listened to some of your podcasts before where it's like, no, call yourself an author. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. (laughs) So Yeah. yeah, that would be my day job. Very cool. Oh my gosh. That's so you're yeah. kind of like me, like very rarely do I meet people, meet people where, um, they get to create content as their full-time job. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a side or it's whatever. So I love that, yeah. that you're able to make that happen. And I don't know about you. Yeah. But I have God people, is good. <laughs> yeah. I have people come to me all the time and they're just like, I want to do that someday. Someday that mm-hmm. will be my only job. And I'm just like, just like, I know it's scary, but just dive in, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Like, honestly, I was one of those people because I very much felt like God was calling me to do this in February, 2020, which, okay. A month before COVID, right. Keep that in mind. And so I didn't know what was coming, had no way of knowing what was coming. And I felt like God was calling me to do this. I'd been inspired by other like Christian or, um, people like on YouTube doing series and I've, I'd heard of Patreon and that's how they were making their funding, this online platform, et cetera. And finally I was just like, yeah, okay, God, I think that's what you want me to do. I stepped into it and I even went on a retreat a few weeks later where I felt very convicted that it was like, God can't bless what you don't give him. Therefore, if you're not doing this full time, God's not going to bless it. But I was still Olivia, like, nope. And so I was like still doing my other day job at the time, which was working um, at a coffee house with people with special needs and employed people with special needs. Yeah, it was awesome. And so I was like, I'm going to keep doing both until I get to a point, right. Where I'm making enough money to do this full time in my mind. And then two weeks later, I lost my job because of COVID. And I felt like I was in the boat with Jesus and like Peter and John were on either side of me, grabbing an arm and just throwing me overboard being like, no, you're jumping in now. So I was kind of forced into it, but yeah, no looking back now. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. So my show also started in the middle of COVID, like literally friends and I were, yeah, friends and I were just bored. And so we started doing like Instagram, like lives together every Friday. Uh Um, and it was kind of like the, it was kind of like the only thing I had to mark the passage of time. I would just have a different friend each Saturday that we would chat with. And then I kind of was like, there's totally a a platform that is already two people just interviewing and chatting. And so, um, so yeah, I love, I (laughs) love that you're positioned just right. (laughs) Um, 
Okay. So tell us a little bit, um, tell us about your ministry. Tell us about joy and hope. Yeah. So fun fact, I had been inspired with this name while in college, like at Benedictine, but it was because I was mishearing a different phrase, joy and hope, which a lot of people mistake it for. And at the time it was because in one of our theology classes, they were bringing up, I don't know if it was some papal encyclical. I don't know big fancy words, even though I majored in theology, whatever I was hearing, it was supposed to be joy and hope, some treatise. And I was hearing joy in hope. And instead of asking the professor to clarify, I just, I just prayed with that for years being like, what does it mean to have joy in hope? And so I'd always, like we kind of talked about earlier, it's like, oh, I'd always wanted to do something like a ministry full time, but I had no idea how to start that. So did a lot of other stuff before. And then finally, when I felt, when I said I was feeling called to do this, it was really because God had like given me this platform and also revealed to me what those words meant. And I had heard a priest give a couple talks, two different talks, but it was the same priest. And the first was on joy. And he was basically like, joy is not the feeling of being happy. Joy is just journeying with Jesus. So you can have joy in the midst of suffering and in the midst of uncertainty because you're with Jesus. And then he was talking about hope later on. And he was like, hope is trust in God extended into the future. And so in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, putting them together myself being like, so having joy and hope means to live joyfully with Jesus in the present while waiting for what is coming next, whether that's a job, whether that's a spouse, whether that's heaven ultimately. Um, and I, I just knew that I needed to live by that mantra and that that is God's call for everyone. So that's what I named the ministry after and was also very inspired and affirmed by uh, Romans 12, 12, which the verse literally, it starts off rejoice in hope. And so it was kind of like a confirmation for me from Christ, um, that this is what I was supposed to do. So I was like, okay, God, I want to do a ministry, but like, what's that look like? And as I already shared, I was very inspired at the time by this Catholic Christian presenting group, like on YouTube, like they have a YouTube channel. I think they have a podcast, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not as familiar with podcast platforms. <laughs> so like, I would just listen to their YouTube videos in the background of whatever I was doing. Cause I'm too cheap to get whatever it is that you can actually have YouTube running in the background. <laughs> so I would just like queue up a video, put it off to the side, fold laundry. Um, and their ministry is actually the ministry through which I heard this priest giving these talks through mm. joy and hope. So I was like, okay, if these people like have this gift of speaking and this is how they're using it, I feel called to do the same. So I started with a YouTube channel and then several months later, one of my friends who is very into podcasts was like, Morgan, I know you have a YouTube channel, but I'd really like it to be a podcast. So is there any way you could make a podcast? So I stayed up until like 3 a.m. that night on Google looking up how to take a YouTube audio file and convert it into a podcast. So fun fact, that's actually how I make my podcast. Um, and then from there, it just like grew little by little, honestly. So it's like, okay, now let's include a blog. It's not weekly, but it's like, okay, when inspired, I'll do blogs or um, like honestly, just very organically it's grown over time. So 
I got Twitter and Instagram right off the bat, which is crazy because I'd never had either. So <laughs> learning those platforms has been such a learning curve, especially Twitter. I don't know how to do that. Um, well, I don't know how to get more followers there, but it's just grown and grown and grown. And the most recently, one of my cousins in high school saw that I started doing Instagram reels and she was like, Morgan, you need to make a TikTok. So I made a TikTok last month and it's crazy. I already have almost 70 followers and like 500 likes or something. And it's, it's so neat when people comment and say things like I needed this today. And you're like, well, it took me 20 seconds. So like, praise God that, you know, like little things like that really are a part of a ministry and like really do matter. So yeah, it's just grown over time. Yeah. So I really love a couple of the things that you said. So first off, um, how cool is it that we live in a time where if you overnight decided to be a podcast host, you literally could use Google you literally can't. and <laughs> yeah. figure it out. If you just take the time and energy to do it, I'm self-taught with everything. Amen. I mean, when I started in social media marketing, you could not get a college degree in it. You can now. Yeah. Um, but I've just self-taught mm-hmm. everything and it's so cool that it is at our fingertips. Awesome. And I think the same thing about like, we're both trying to get books published right now and how much information is available at our fingertips to help us. Yeah. Th- it's still a hard process Absolutely. and it's still a, still a lot to navigate, but it's just so cool that yes. we live in a time where it's readily available. And then, yes. um, I love how you were not an avid social media user before. And then because of this Mm-mm. ministry, you chose it because I, I have a blog post talking about social media and the Bible. And one of the things I always oh, tell cool. people is like, if the disciples were alive right now, like 100%, they would be using (laughs) social media. Like so many churches, they villainize it and they just say to get off of it, put your head in the sand, no tolerance Mm -hmm. type of thing. And I'm like, no, the the place where the most negative things are is the place where we need to be. We need to be flooding these channels. So I love that that you knew that was going to be essential part to it and how important it became in 2020. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And you seem to have a good balance between like, I'm always talking about how your online and your offline life should kind of drive each other. So I know you Mm. do public speaking and events and stuff too. So it seems like you have a good balance between the two. Um, What are some events that you've, that you've spoken at or that you've been to, or maybe you have coming up um, with your, where you're able to share your ministry? Mm -hmm. So I have honestly been in ministry for over 10 years, just because it was something I was passionate about. I first attended retreats when I was in eighth grade, because in the Catholic church, we have the sacrament of confirmation. And so it depends on what diocese you're in, what age that is. But like, for me, it was eighth grade. And so it was cool because I got to go on these retreats that I wouldn't have otherwise. And that really introduced me to retreats in general and like, oh, speaking and speakers and just being really inspired by the content that was being presented to me. And this one ministry in particular, was based out of St. Louis and they had volunteers for like for any retreat, any age volunteer was welcome after like high school age. So I thought, oh my gosh, does God want me to be a part of this ministry and give back? So I thought about it for maybe a year or two. I didn't join the team right after my retreat in eighth grade. So I was maybe a sophomore freshman or sophomore in high school before I did join the team. And I had a couple of other friends join first. And so it was really their, um, 
coming to me, sharing how much fun they were having. So I joined and that was what really had me fall in love with public speaking was doing that. I just really enjoyed um, giving back in that way, but also developing that talent that God had given me. So fast forward, I've been doing retreats and different things like that, just wherever I'm asked for years. But then once I actually formed this ministry in February, 2020, I guess you could say from that point on, whenever I was asked to speak in an event, um, whether it was just a youth group I was already helping at, or whether it was because someone knew I was in ministry, um, I guess different things I have done from that point forward. Now having the ministry, I spoke to a Catholic high school, um, the junior classes, I believe last school year, because one of my friends who I had known from Kansas city welcomed and invited me in. They just wanted me to share how God led me to start joy and hope and things like that. So I spoke to the junior class on what they had called their vocation Friday. So it's mm-hmm. kind of fun that we're doing this on a Friday too. I'm like, everybody yeah. does fun stuff on Friday. So I did that. <laughs> this summer, I spoke at an event in Kansas city called the KCK summit. And it was about 200 to 300 teens who were just coming because yeah, they wanted a retreat and wanted some time away with Jesus. I was one of the breakout speakers in an afternoon session. So it wasn't like I was the main speaker. I was just one of the breakout people they could go to, but I really enjoyed doing that and was asked to give a talk on how to share your faith with your family, which was very, I needed it at the time and God knew that. So it was just as much for me as it was for the people I was sharing with. And that was very meaningful um, for me. I also had a youth group that I kind of alluded to that I was helping with when I was in Kansas City. So while I was with them, I gave two talks. I gave one last summer to the women's session. So maybe 50 to 100 high school women. We talked about the Lord's lead of love and a lot of healing from sexual sin and addiction in that talk. And then they gave, or excuse me, I gave another talk they asked me to do during the winter, I think at some point this winter, and it was how to have a Christ-like conversation, actually. They Hmm. just wanted to help the teens see guys and girls. They just wanted them to see how do you actually talk to people? Just because nowadays with technology, and kids growing up with technology, they might not be as aware of what it means to have a conversation and especially like Christ. So I did that. And yeah, really just anything that I get invited to do, whether it's big or small. Yeah. Very cool. And it is such a natural fit. Like I remember, um, having a a mentor tell me that any blogger that blogs long enough is going to write a book, right? So Mm, it's kind of a natural fit for someone that is you know, used to speaking on YouTube and used to speaking into a podcast to, to be able to handle a room full of people. So it makes total sense. And it feels like it's kind of all the, all the pieces are there. Yeah. The progression for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, tell me a little bit, cause my mind always goes to like the digital marketing side of it. So, um, you mentioned your YouTube channel. Um, and I just want to talk a little bit about that. Cause I get a lot of people that are maybe entrepreneurs or like just starting out, they have dreams of being creators. And so I want to talk specifically, I do some YouTube channel, YouTube videos, but it's not like my uh-huh. go-to format. Like my go-to okay. is still just typing it out, 
you know, yeah, like yeah. the the written word is still like my favorite. Um, cool. so, and, but, but it's your go-to. So I want to know just specifically yeah. like what draws you to that specific platform and that specific form yeah. of communication. I think it's honestly, because it is everyone's go-to form of communication. We are like, we come out of the womb, not typing on a computer, but crying out. So I think for me in real life, when I'm having a conversation, like we are right now, I'm not sitting there typing it up. I am just talking from my heart and in my time in ministry and in my time now having my own ministry, um, it, it has just always been what I'm most comfortable with. I was especially made aware in two instances in my life where my gift first and foremost is speaking out loud. The first was I did something else that Rebecca did. If you are familiar with Totus Tuis or she yes. has talked to you about that before, yeah. essentially just being a missionary for a summer and a missionary for young people in particular. So I would, I would be, whether it was in front of just four little first graders or whether it was in front of 40 teenagers, it really varied by day that summer. We would travel to parishes every week. And I, I felt like God would just come alive in me as I was speaking. And honestly, when I was just thrown into something, it wasn't always scripted. And if it was, it was very minimal. I felt like God did his best work in me when I just showed up and let him do the rest. So that was a very pivotal point in my life where I was like, okay, I need to do something where I'm speaking in front of people. And I thought that meant teaching. So I actually went back to Benedictine. That was my junior year going into my junior year. I declared a major for the first time. (laughs) I was like, okay, I'm going to do elementary ed. But then I started getting in classrooms and having to do things like math and English. Mm. And I was like, I hate this. (laughs) I don't actually want to teach. I just want to talk to people about Jesus. So majored in theology instead, and then actually thought my calling was going to be to be a nun, like a religious sister, (laughs) which is something I had never foreseen for my life. But I just loved the thought of being a missionary and just going to the ends of the earth, literally, um, like on foot, just talking to people about God. And then the Lord revealed to me that that wasn't the deepest desire of my heart, that I really do want to be married. I really do want to be a wife. That I want to be a mom in a very real sense. So I became a teacher. I became a religion teacher. And oh my gosh, Olivia, like, so that was the second experience of just being in front of young people and just telling them about God. And I would see, I would see them light up. I would see the, the lamp go off or like, you know, that, that yeah. click where they finally got it. And I, I became like addicted to that. I love <laughs> seeing that happen. Um, and again, it was when I was just sharing from my heart and God, again, like called me away from that into this ministry. And so I honestly, I admire people like you who can write it out. Cause it seems like people really build a following with blogs, but for me, blogging is just really forced unless it's inspired. So I, I just have talks come to me like, and I don't write them out. I just feel like, okay, here's this very loose, honestly script. And I'm just supposed to show up and let God do his work through me. So honestly, that's why, that's why I started with YouTube. And I actually started a YouTube channel before I started a ministry exactly six months before 
just because I was talking with friends one night and I was like, God keeps inspiring these talks in me and I don't know what to do with them. Like if he gave me songs, I could become a singer songwriter. That makes sense. But what am I supposed to do with these talks? And they were like, make a YouTube channel. Like worst case scenario, no one watches them and that's it. But so, yeah, I was really just born out of a, okay, God, I need somewhere to put, like dump all these talks. So yes, that's, yeah. that's how it was born. That's awesome. So how many um, subscribers do you have on your YouTube channel? It's 250 something, I think 257. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's if so I had to cool. guess. Yeah. yeah, and I I'll definitely make sure to like link to her social channels and everything so you guys okay, can follow cool. her. Um awesome. I'm wondering what do you think is the biggest challenge to being like a video oh. creator or what is something that you wish yeah. someone knew about what you do? Stop comparing. I am preaching that over myself and speaking that over myself in the name of Jesus too. It is so freaking hard to like have your own lane and to stay there and just to be what God wants you to be. Because I see people like the ministry that first inspired me, Ascension Presents, and they, you can just tell like they have lighting, they have microphones, they have these really cool things that I I don't have the first idea how to do any of that because they have people they can hire to do that. And I'm just me. So I I have done multiple things where I'm like, okay, let's try to get this lighting or let's look into this microphone. I just ordered something off of Amazon a few weeks ago and it came in and, and it doesn't work right. And, Mm. and I just get so frustrated and I just feel like God is telling me, Morgan, I don't, I don't want you to be them. I don't want you to be them. I don't want you to be anyone else. If you like feel led to do something great. So like some people will have certain lighting or will have a certain microphone. That's fine. But don't give into the pressure that you have to have this perfect content. Like right now, the thing I'm most insecure about is actually my podcast. Um, Because it's one thing to watch a YouTube video because you're kind of distracted because you're watching it. So the sound isn't as much on your mind. But when it's a podcast and you're like, all I'm getting is the audio. Like that's honestly why I've been getting these different microphones and they don't work or they die. And I don't know how to fix them because I'm not techie and I am not making a ton of money because I'm a ministry. And I'm like, I can't afford to keep like trying and failing when the sound quality is not awful. Like it might not be crystal clear, but it's also, it's okay. Like it's okay. And I even had one friend a few weeks ago, um, hadn't even told her about any of this but God just sent her to speak into it. She was like, Morgan, I just, she was actually the one who wanted me to do the podcast in the first place. So she does listen on that platform. She was like, Morgan, I just need you to know how much I love your podcast. Like it's so real. It's so real. And you don't try to be anything that you're not. And it really does feel like we're just here having a conversation over the phone. And uh, that, yeah, that did it for me. And I was like, okay, no more comparing. So that's the number one piece of advice I would say is stay in your lane. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks except the Lord and your listeners. So unless somebody's coming to me being like, I can't hear what you're saying or get better audio, which no one has told me, um, then don't, don't worry about it. Yeah, that's so good. And that's, that's truth as well. There's biblical truth in that. One of my favorite verses is the one where it says, run your race that the Lord has set out before you. So it's, it's two pronged. It's, it's not Mm -hmm. just stay in your lane. It's your lane was laid 
by the father before you even came to this race. Like he, you just have to stay the course. And yeah, I'm learning right now. Like I work with a lot of influencers and stuff and I have like brand deals and stuff and that's fun. That's one way that I can bring in income. But what I'm Mm -hmm. learning is that these other teams, these other pod, or these other influencers, these other podcasters, they have teams behind them. They have studios. Yeah. A lot of podcasters yeah. that I know actually go and record at the radio station. So they have soundproof. Mm. They have a lighting guy, an audio guy, someone in the back, just that's looking cool. at facts. Like yeah. <laughs> it's awesome, but that's not my reality. And my advice to entrepreneurs is always like, like literally I started my podcast. I already had like the editing software. Cause I do a lot of digital. So it was part of the Adobe package. And I literally bought like a, a friend of mine was getting rid of a bunch of technology and he gave me his like travel mic from when he used to do okay. videos. He sold it to me for like a dollar off of marketplace. So Love it's like, that. and yeah, sure. So, and one thing I've learned from talking to, I have a lot of people in like the music, like church music and stuff like that. And so many times it isn't the mic. It's like your environment. It's like yeah. you know, how the sound is hitting the walls and how soft or hard it is. And so I'm, I too, like I have some episodes where I'm like, there's definitely like a sound in there that I didn't <laughs> put there, but I'm like, that isn't the most important thing. The most important thing is just like one person being inspired, one person feeling yes. comforted or encouraged. Like, I yes. just want people, if they have goals to be like us for their full-time content creators, I want to help them get there. Like I want to help mm-hmm. women achieve their goals. And so it doesn't have to be the crispest thing. And to your point, it's not like we're only doing the podcast. That's not our only thing. Mm -hmm. So like, we're also writing, we're also making videos. We're also speaking. So in my mind, it's like, we get a little bit of grace if it's not perfect. Right. So um, yeah. Give yourself grace. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay. So tell me switching gears just a little bit, but not a big switch. Tell me a little bit about your book. It sounds like this is kind of a newer mm-hmm. thing that's been put on your heart. So just kind of tell us yeah. what the vision of it is and where you're at in the process. So that was also pretty funny, kind of like the ministry. It was super unexpected. Part of starting the ministry in February of 2020, God was just putting people in my path. So I love how you just spoke into that saying he laid your path for you. He Mm -hmm. really did. He was putting these people to inspire me. And a lot of them, right when I was getting started, were little online business summits for free, free business summits, believers in business, women in business. It was so cool. And one of them talked about make a dream board. And I thought, oh my gosh, gag me, like, stop it. I'm just not even going to listen to this talk. So it's all online. So, I mean, I could choose whether or not I listen to it. I was like, this is going to be so dumb, but she did the whole thing where it's like, make a year goal, make five-year goals, make 10-year goals. And it was just really cool because I had never given myself permission to dream because in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I could die tomorrow. God just wants me to get to heaven. None of this is worth worrying about. But it was just very inspiring. Honestly, it was a very inspiring half hour, wrote out all my dreams. And one of them was to write a book in the next five years. So fast forward only a month, actually. So it was March, 2020. I was actually supposed to go on a pilgrimage to Our Lady of Guadalupe with a group from the town I was living in at the time. We'd organized it months in advance. Who knew COVID was going to hit right then? And we wanted to go over the feast of the Annunciation, like 
the day that our lady was told by the angel Gabriel, you're going to be the mother of God, like gives this life mission to her, lays that path. And it got canceled. I was so disappointed. Not only was I out like a thousand dollars on airfare Hmm. and all this, but I was just so disappointed. And I was like, God, why did you cancel this trip? What could you possibly have in store for me that's better this week? And I went to our little parish adoration chapel and I'm just like sitting in front of Jesus. And I'm like, look, (laughs) what do you want for me? Like, why did you not let me go? I was so excited for this day. And now I'm just sitting here alone because COVID. And I, and literally Olivia, like, that's when I felt like Jesus and Mary just like laid out this other path for me. It was, it literally came to me. It was like, this is your book. This is the title. And these are the chapters. This is the framework. And you're going to write it in the next several weeks. You're going to come here every day for your adoration hour. And you're going to write a chapter a day until you're done. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I couldn't have heard that right. You're like, no I way. make videos. I don't yeah. write chapters. <laughs> yeah. I was like, um, I'm not blogging yet, God. But I literally did. Like in less than two months, I'd written my first at this point, what I'll call it, the first draft of the manuscript. So it's called Out of Darkness into Light. The inspiration behind it is twofold. So first, I was inspired by a movie. I am very inspired by movies. God meets me where I'm at, and I'm often at the movie theater. So I just love the beauty, like truth, goodness, and beauty found in media. So movies especially just really get me. I love them. And so It was just the little animated movie Inside Out, but like the Disney Pixar movie. So spoiler alert, but like the whole concept of the movie at the end is that our core memories, like the the most fundamental parts of us were forged in sadness and then were brought into the light and then came to joy. And those are our most transformative experiences, foundational experiences in our faith and our family and our friendships. And I was like, that is so true. So then the second part was, so in the Catholic church, we have this devotion to Our Lady under the title, Our Lady of Sorrows. And there are seven sorrows of Mary in her life. I mean, she had a ton more, but the the seven we highlight, it's like just one example is the flight into Egypt. Like, okay, she just had Jesus and now they have to run for their lives to this country that they've never been to. They don't know what they're doing. So it's like, okay, how is this like sorrow going to end in joy? But we see that time and time again, like in the life of Christ in scripture, like we know, like all of these things were used for good because Romans 8, 28 tells us God works all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And so I was like, okay, what are the seven most transformative experiences in my life? And how did God bring his light? into that darkness. So again, trying not to compare myself to people because now that I'm in the stage of editing the fourth manuscript and having it edited by the most professional editor at this point, like their, their biggest point to me is, oh, your book has to be marketable and it has to look like other people's books. And you have to have some, some avenue where you're going. And it's over here, like, or I'm over here, like, I know that these chapters might not fit together. Like how does this experience of breaking my ankle 
in college compare with losing my grandfather, but it's just that thread. The same with Mary. How did these seven events in her life go together? Because you have joy, you have joy in the hope you are journeying with Jesus through all of these sorrows and ultimately are going to be brought to the light. So honestly, Olivia, like when I was listening to your podcast with what was your friend's name? Who is the poet? Uh, Corey. Okay. Yes. Corey, I was very inspired and I've had a lot of people starting to talk to me about self-publishing and I'm still waiting to hear from a publisher. (laughs) Ascension Presents, which is the ministry that started it all for me. But I've really given more thought to self-publishing because I'm like, this has been formed by God. Like, this is from God. I've had other friends and people read it just to tell me, be honest, is it even worth it? And so many of them come out of the woodwork in one chapter or another. Mm. And they're like, Morgan, me too. I've never told anyone Mm. this, but Morgan, I struggled with that too. And where was someone when I needed them? And that's what I want this book to be for people is that yeah. friend that they need, whatever they're walking through. So I don't know where the story is going to end, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm at in the process. Yeah. You? Well, you said yeah, you I was book too. Yeah. I'll just give kind of an update. So I wrote down a couple of things while you were talking. So um, yes. I want to highly suggest to you two, uh, two resources that I used. So one of them okay. is called, one of them is called hope writers. Okay. It's written. It's started by Emily P. Freeman, who is a Christian author and speaker cool. and all of the things. And uh, I did uh, author coaching through Hope Writers. They have different like packages oh, cool. and cohorts that you can get into. Okay. And I learned so much about the process through Hope Writers and it's Christian based. So writers. even, even yes. if you just follow them for inspiration along your path, I think you'd super enjoy that platform. Um, and then it's funny, you said your first draft. Um, one thing I learned through my training is they actually in the writing world call that your vomit draft, that you're literally Seriously? just vomiting <laughs> out the ideas and it's not going to be good. It's not going to be the one that gets published, but it's mm-hmm. your vomit draft. So I love that you're already on four because you are way past your vomit draft. So that's, <laughs> yeah. that's good. Um, and, and Funny. another resource is, uh, a website called christianbookproposals.com. So, okay. uh, you can pay, I think it's like a hundred bucks and you update, you, you upload your proposal into there and you have six months in the database for all of the major Christian publishers. They scour this, like a lot of the big publishers, like your Lifeway and NavPress, like they don't take submissions just from someone off the streets. They're looking to programs mm-hmm. like this to get their submissions or they're looking at agents. And so I didn't want to pay for an agent. This was more in my budget. So, um, so I've had my, my, book in there for my six months is almost up, unfortunately. And I did get a couple of, I did get a couple of hybrid offers where it's like, I have to contribute some to the publishing. Um, and so they're not off the table, but everything I learned in hope writers is that I shouldn't have to spend money at this point because I already invested two years of my life writing a book. (laughs) Yeah. I liked how you said that in your episode with Corey. It's unless you do it, you have no idea how exhausting it is. Yes. Yeah. yeah like yeah. when other people are like, oh, that's cute. You're writing a book. You're like, no, like you have no idea how many hours I yeah. slave, how many. Yes. Well, and it's Absolutely. gut-wrenching too, when you're talking about matters of the, the spirit, like you are in your book, or when you're talking about like things I lived through, like that's, yeah. it's, it is gut-wrenching. It was therapy. It was literally like 
it just, yeah, it just yes. wrenching, you know, it's, it's yeah. deep heart work. So, so I'm at the point where, um, I probably am going to self-publish because to your point, there's more, um, there's more control over it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I'm really looking into like the Amazon self-publishing. I have had friends that have Mm -hmm. published via Amazon. I've actually ordered their books to look at it and be like, what do I think? Because a couple of the, yeah, a couple of the offers that I got, they included things like marketing and a website and cover design. And I have ideas for how to do all of that. So I don't need a publishing company to help me with that. So it's looking more and more like self-publishing, but also I've said from the very beginning, my mission is just to encourage other women to accomplish their dreams. And yeah. I mean, so I think what I might do is I might simultaneously publish it as one work on Amazon, but also I'm going to just do a series on my blog, like, or do cool. maybe where it's, where it's teasers. And then you can link to the full chapter because the, the overall goal is not to build my name and my platform and my story. The overall goal is for people to see the title of my book is crooked path straight. Um, like the verse in, I think it's Isaiah about how God straightens our paths. And it's true. There were so many times where I, I tried so hard to go off path and he had to work really hard to straighten that crooked path. And Mm -hmm. just as I looked back, as I was writing the book, there's some obvious things, you know, like I was a young mother and other things. There's some really obvious times where he corrected my past. Um, but as I started to break down other things in my life, I was like, oh, he was there the whole time. I just didn't know it until the moment that I looked back. And so, so yeah, I mean, the most important thing is just that it gets out there that it, that Amen. it's available for people. So, uh, I think I'm going to, like I said, I think I'm going to do both. I think I'm going to have it for, cause I already have a platform where people read every month, right? So if people want to awesome. read it that way, then I'll do it that way. But I also think I do have a lot of people that would rather sit down and read, you know, 20 chapters. So I'm, I think I'm going to do both. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, I actually did get an email back recently. I had a couple of publishers, not in the database that I just like kind of last ditch effort decided to email them. And I heard back from one that was, was like one of my top wants. Um, really? And she, and she wrote me back and said that she was really impressed with my proposal with my sample chapter. She was impressed oh. that they, they want you to be experts in the field already that you're writing in. So she, she mm-hmm. said that my platform was good. And one thing I learned in hope writers is that they look at three P's. So it's your practice, your platform and your price. So your practices, mm-hmm. can you actually write? Can you actually make things sound good? And then prices, does it make sense for a publishing company to invest in you? Because that's what it is for them to publish you as an investment. Mm -hmm. And then platform. And so this is the whole where the non-comparison game comes into play. I've got maybe 1,400, 1,500 Instagram followers, maybe about 50 or 60 subscribers to my blog that want emails as soon as something is posted. Um, And so that's, I know that there's people with more than me, but there's also Mm -hmm. people less than me. So I've. I felt kind of confident about that. Well, this person that emailed me back as sweet as she was, she did not have to take the time to email me, but, uh, she was like, why don't you, uh, it doesn't make sense for me to invest in you right now, but if you mm-hmm. ever break 5,000 Instagram followers, message me back. Wow. <laughs> I was like, it has taken me seven years to get my 1500, 1400. Right. And so I was Same. just like, I can't possibly 
Like I'm a mom, we homeschool, we have a farm. I can't possibly right. on top of all of that. If all I had to do was focus on followers, then I could get there probably. Mm-hmm. But I don't want that kind of life. That's not the path that the no. Lord laid out for me to do. Yeah, so. exactly. I cannot stand that because that's, yeah, same. Exactly what I've heard from so many people. And I cannot help but look at them and be like, thank God that God doesn't see things the way you do. Like that yeah. he didn't see, oh, I have 12 followers. This is never going to amount to anything. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, where, like, are you actually praying to the Holy Spirit when you read people's proposals? Because you have no idea if God wants something to happen or not, if you're not praying about it. So hopefully they pray. I do understand the investment world, but at the same time, I understand as much as I can, the Christian world. And so I'm like, pretty sure God could make it happen if he wanted (laughs) to, but okay. I understand and I will be (laughs) obedient to you. (laughs) And another thing I learned in a Hope Writer session um, is that it is perfectly possible to self-publish now and then in a few years or whenever is the time is right to to still have a traditional publishing deal come to you. They would like repackage it and republish it. So I, so yeah, that's kind of, I think where I'm leading. Um, but I am going to have some things that I need to learn. I probably need to do, um, I'm probably only on my like maybe third draft. Um, so I, I like, I probably will need to do a really heavy edit. Um, mm-hmm. I've had friends help me edit chapters here and there, but I probably need to like have someone like help me with that. Um, so yeah, that's a whole nother like level of stuff I'm going to have to learn to do, but yeah. Amazon, Amazon has it all laid out for you. Like you just have to go through, it's like a step-by-step process. And I've helped people with like Amazon stores and stuff before, and it looks pretty similar to that. So that's kind of mm-hmm. what I'm leaning to, but I also, uh, cool. My, my six months is not officially up until like later on in September. So I had said I would not move until, you know, this six months is up and see yeah. what happens. So, um, and I would have to pray about it awesome. just to make sure, but, but yeah, yeah so luck to you. I'm pumped to yes. read your book. <laughs> yeah. And, and you as well. I'm excited. I do have a sample chapter already posted, so, um, I'll have to send you Sweet. a link to that. Um, yes, yeah, I love it. That's, that's exciting. And I think uh, another thing that I learned in Hope Writers is, you know, the industry will tell you like, oh, so many people write books, right? Like I had one lady tell me they get yeah. like thousands a day, like thousands of proposals a day that they have to go Oh my through. goodness. But, but Hope Writers being a Christian organization, one of the things that they taught us is that there's never too much of Jesus. Like there's never, oh, the market so is never too saturated with stories about the Lord. And so it's mm. just, it's just important just to put it out there no matter like what I may come. That. So I feel like we're going to have to watch each other and, and help each other and yes. share each other along. So <laughs> absolutely girl, I'm here for it. <laughs> Very cool. Um, okay. So now I do want to take like a hard left turn. <laughs> Yeah, I'm ready. uh, Yes, change topics. So um, when I started, uh, I was, of course, looking at your podcast and looking at like the most recent episodes and things that you had done. And I noticed that you talked, you had one episode where you talked about being exposed to pornography for the first time. And Mm -hmm. now you're talking about a struggle that you have had um, with masturbation and uh, you're, you're, putting it out there and you're, you know, telling parents and children to listen together. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of shared with you earlier that I was at a conference not too long ago. It was a women's conference and they like every other session that we had that day was talking about how people in the church 
are struggling with pornography and how it's like this overwhelming Mm -hmm. addiction. And I like, didn't believe them. I came home and told my (laughs) husband, like, this is crazy. It cannot be that bad. I don't know why they're trying to scare all these women, um, into thinking this. And he was like, well, I hate to tell you, but like, it is, it is a thing that men struggle with and you wouldn't know about it because these mm-hmm. are Christian men. These are family men we're talking about. Um, and probably women and, and, and children too, as you've, you've shared, like, it's not something that you would know about. It's something that's yeah. done in the darkness. And so when you yeah. asked if I was comfortable with us talking about this, I was just like, oh my gosh, yes. Like this mm-hmm. is a darkness that needs a light shown on it. Um, so I want to kind of give you the floor and I want you to kind of tell us, um, now you're doing a whole series on this right now. So don't feel like you have to give us yeah. a whole series. I want people to go and listen to the series that you're in the middle of right now, but just tell us a little bit, like how it started, sure how you felt like yeah. you over, you overcame it and like what role the Lord had in, in that. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for letting me share. I have come up against a lot of Christian institutions that stop me from talking about it. And that's really hurtful because I'm like, you have no idea how many people you're hurting by not having this message shared. I was on a retreat not too long ago with, it was for seventh graders. It was a seventh grade chastity retreat and their parents were there. Like, I would like to say that their parents were there. And after the retreat, I, so I mentioned pornography and masturbation in my testimony. I was given permission to do that by the person in charge and parents complained, parents complained about me to the priest and to the retreat people, because do you want to know what they claimed this seventh grade public school? Okay. Yes. Catholic, but Catholic families, but like public school kids, they were like, there's no way my kids ever heard of that. And I was like, okay, well, what do you make of that? I had never heard of it until I was in eighth grade, but had been struggling with it since fifth grade. Like we need to take off our like rose colored glasses as Christians and understand that we live in a digital age where if you give your kid a phone, they will be exposed to porn. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's just the fact of it. You can't have your kid have Snapchat without seeing it because it's on the main page. I did decide to delete Snapchat permanently because I was like, yeah. for me, it's just not worth it. But like, it's everywhere. It is everywhere. And so that frustrated me so bad because I was like, in my talk, I literally said to you people, if you've never heard of this, please have a conversation now. And they felt like their kid was not ready for that. And I was like, your kid goes to a public school. When I was in second grade, riding the bus from my Catholic school home from the public, like from the public and Catholic school with all the public school kids, there were words that would fly around on that bus that to this day, I don't know what they mean. So please (laughs) don't tell me that your kid doesn't know what this is or that they've never heard of it because the average exposure at this point is second grade. So all that to say for me, I did, um, I'll start with how it actually happened for me, which I share in my episodes about how I was exposed to pornography and then how I became addicted to masturbation. So I was in middle school. I don't remember exactly what age, maybe fifth grade. I was actually exposed through my parents, which is really sad, but with their permission and blessing, we have talked about it and been healed. I wrote a blog. You'll laugh. I did write a blog about this through that same ministry because after I gave that talk, the person in charge was like, no, Morgan, your message does need to get out. 
So I'd written this blog that is now posted through Chastity Project, which is one of like the number one chastity organizations worldwide. I was very blessed to have that blog published earlier this year. And I share about how it was actually through my parents that I was exposed to porn because when I was in middle school, we just weren't regulated like we should have been. But you have to give your parents grace because my parents grew up in an age where they didn't have all of these. They had some movies for sure, but not to the extent that we had computers, phones, whatever. So they didn't know any better. It was a very popular movie at the time. And I don't want to share because I don't want to incite people to curiosity. But there was a movie that was very popular. And um, my dad's kind of humor because he's a dad. and they just like put it in not knowing what it was going to be about and it opened with a very graphic sex scene Mm. and me being in fifth grade my brother being third grade my sister being six years younger than me like I don't know how anybody else felt because nobody else was reacting to it and that's how I feel Olivia when I'm surrounded by people whether I'm in a movie theater or just hanging out with some friends when this kind of stuff comes on it seems like no one looks away it seems like no one looks away and everybody is just glued to it And maybe it's because they don't want anybody else to see them reacting. But for me, what that internalized, like what I internalized was there's something wrong with me because Mm -hmm. I am experiencing these sensations I'm not supposed to, and that I'm not prepared for at this age and no one else seems to be affected. So what happened? I started looking things up on the internet. I would watch Mm -hmm. that movie over and over again. I would go to that scene and watch it over and over again when I was home alone I would get into my dad's other movies and watch things that I knew that wouldn't be good for me. Um, And so that, that lasted for a really long time. And I remember um, not really understanding like the nature of sin or having a real relationship with God at that point, other than like going to my Catholic school, going to mass. But like, I didn't understand like the running to the father to be reconciled notion. Like I didn't have that Again, my parents probably didn't grow up praying in the home. So we didn't pray in the home. Like they meant, well, that's just kind of how it ended up for me. That's how it happened. So I I suffered in silence basically for a very long time. And this addiction to pornography, I don't remember how long it lasted, but it was not that long. Like I would say it probably wasn't even a year, but it's because it gave way to an addiction to Mm -hmm. masturbation, which I later learned is extremely common. That's Mm -hmm. how a lot of people become addicted to masturbation because you're seeing these things. It's making you feel these sensations. And if you're not going to act on those things with somebody else, it's yeah, something that you're going to do to yourself, unfortunately. So that started happening for me. But even though I had heard the term porn, I had never like known what masturbation Mm -hmm. really was until eighth grade on a retreat where they kept using that word. And thank God they had like a question and answer jar. So I asked, what is <laughs> masturbation? And I remember at lunch when they were answering the questions, they pull mine out and they like made fun of it because they were like, someone is make like someone better not be poking fun at us or oh, no. whatever. Like you're probably being immature, but we'll define it. And literally that is the first time I was ever taught like what masturbation meant. So that's why it's so important to me in my videos and stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get graphic with you, but if you've never heard of this, do not look it up. Do not like go home or go to a parent, go to a trusted adult, ask them what it means because I, I didn't, and it was way too late for me. So 
by the time I did. So I, I went home and I, I talked to my mom. Like I just knew that I needed to tell somebody like I was done suffering in silence. So I told my mom, um, and she didn't make me feel dirty and she didn't make me feel ashamed. She was like, you're not the only one, like other people struggle with this too. This is very common for people your age. And I started slowly building up courage to like share with friends, like good trusted friends. So I shared with like a couple of my girlfriends and I was shocked, Olivia, to see how many of them were struggling too, because I knew guys in my family who had struggled with it or it had come up with, but I was like, nobody talks about it as a women's issue. And it definitely is. It might not be as much of a women's issue if the stats are true, but it is still a women's issue. And I'm so tired of going to conferences and stuff like that you went to and then being like guy girl sessions. The girl session is all about you're beautiful. But then I hear later that the guy session, they talk about pornography. I'm like, why are you not talking about this? So yeah. I wish I was at the conference with you as a fly on the wall. I would have loved to hear what they had to say about <laughs> it. But um, yeah, so I would say that um, lately when I've been thinking of sharing my story, because that was the first time I struggled with it. I was healed, like leading up to confirmation, going on these different retreats. I just knew in my heart, I was like, I need to run to the father. Like I need to run to my father in heaven. I need to be reconciled to him. The way I did that was through the sacrament of reconciliation in the church and also like in my own personal prayer time. And I was freed, like just totally mm. delivered. Praise God. It was just later in high school, once I was like getting into relationships and experiencing like old triggers that after those relationships ended even, that's when masturbation came back because suddenly it was like, oh my gosh, well, I hadn't felt that sensation in a long time. And now mm -hmm. it's tempting again. So it was, it was much more pervasive and it was so humiliating because it was like, now I'm in college and now I'm ashamed because I'm not like a little girl anymore. And I feel, I feel like I should be over this now. Like I thought I was delivered. So really that healing journey is, is like, dumb as it sounds I guess like for some reason the devil just like convinced me like it wasn't going to happen in the same way like the healing wasn't going to happen in the same way as it had which involved like telling trusted people going to the father to be reconciled things like that and so I lived in the darkness again for several years because I was so ashamed especially like at a college where a lot of people do go there because they want to get closer to Christ. I just felt like there was no way anybody else was struggling with it. Didn't want to talk about it. And the summer before I graduated, I was helping at this camp and they were going to have us speak to middle schoolers. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I should make a list of what I struggled with in middle school so I can relate to them. And I came up with a little list and that list can actually be found in my book in one of the chapters. <laughs> but I was like, oh my gosh, like I had porn and masturbation written down. And I was like, I don't want to talk about that, God. Like, please don't make me talk about that. But that is what I felt he put on my heart to speak out about. And Olivia, that summer changed my life because even though at that point I was still struggling with it and didn't want to have to say that, I did. And I saw for the first time, because that was the first time I shared publicly, I saw those women come out of the woodwork. It was the first time somebody came up to me and said, I've never told anyone this, but me too. There was this one girl who, praise be to God, 
like it, and it wasn't just porn and masturbation. It was just any sexual sin. It seemed like was coming into the light. This one high school girl came to me in our small group and was like, I was sexually abused when I was little by my brother's best friend. And I have never told anyone. And we got her the help that she needed. We got her that healing like journey to start. And it was crazy because none of that would have been possible if I hadn't responded to that call of the Lord. And so I just feel so convicted that it is my mission in life to bring that light in particular to the darkness because so few other people do because it's so hard and it's so shameful. And so like, okay, a couple years down the road, I'm delivered from it again. I'm like, okay, God, I'll speak about it at conferences and stuff, but that's it. And then a month ago, I was praying the rosary and I get a lot of inspiration when I pray the rosary, it seems like, especially when it comes to the ministry. And I just felt during one of the prayers, God was like, I want you to make an episode about it. And I was like, heck no, I'm not putting that on YouTube. Do you have any idea that like people that could see that or could Mm -hmm. shame me for that? And so it, for some reason, I think it's because the pornography wasn't as hard for me to get um, or that it wasn't as prolonged of a struggle. It wasn't that bad to make that episode, but the week leading up to making the episode on masturbation, oh my gosh, Olivia, I was like physically sick. I, I just, it was awful. It felt like a spiritual attack, physical, physical attack, emotional, mental, whatever. Like it was bad to the point where I don't know if you watched it, but if anybody watches that episode, it is just me with my hair, like messy. (laughs) I'm in a big old sweatshirt. I'm just sitting on my couch, no good lighting, no idea if the sound quality is the best because I was just like, I, I am having such a hard time doing this, but Olivia, that video has been viewed over a thousand times Hmm. in the last three weeks. I have no video that's anywhere close to that. And I've had a channel for two years this Sunday. So I was like, okay, God, this is what I'm supposed to lean into. Where do you want me to go, go with this? And one of my girlfriends who also struggled with this and was one of the first people I ever told back in middle school, we were catching up on the phone just a couple of weeks ago after I made the episode and I was sharing all this with her and my heart just started burning and I stopped and I was like, girl, I got to stop. I, I, I just feel like I'm getting something from the Lord. And I did, I felt like God was like, you need to make a series. You need to lean into this and you need to unpack it. And you need to go more in depth with your healing process. Um, Because my first episode on how I became addicted to masturbation was like 40 minutes long, but there was so much that was in it. So I was like, okay, we need to dive deeper. So I'll show you the first two, like I'll just name the first two episodes because those are the ones that I've made. The second being what I'm going to post this upcoming Monday. So The first was just admitting your addiction. And what was crazy was I had like these 10 steps come to me, but I'm like, God, who am I to like name this? Like, (laughs) I'm not a therapist. I'm not a professional. Olivia, literally, I've been part of this healing retreat in the last couple of weeks. And there was a talk that a Catholic Christian therapist gave on healing habitual sin. And his first step was the same as mine. His second Mm. step was the same as mine. His third step was the same as mine. And I was like, okay, God, thank you for that affirmation that like what I'm saying is truth. So yeah, the first episode I made, um, it was about just admitting your addiction. And his point was, unless you embrace the reality of your life, God can't enter in. 
So that was the first episode, very powerful. I've had a lot of people reaching out on social media saying how excited they are for this series, um, both men and women. I've had like a couple of people actually reach out and comment on the videos saying you spared me from sinning because mm-hmm. I looked something else up, but this is what popped up. Oh, wow. Um, which has been, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's been insane to wrap my mind around. So this second upcoming um, video and episode is running to be reconciled with your father mm-hmm. and having from like admitting the addiction, not just living there, but immediately running to the father, like that prodigal son and putting yourself at his feet to receive his mercy because it's there and it's ready for you. Mm -hmm. And he's running to you, but you have to take that step toward him. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so many things that, that just like came to me as you were speaking and just, uh, so we're really big on freedom at my church and finding freedom from the shame and the sin. And we always say, you know how there's the phrase hurt people, hurt people. Well, we flip Mm -hmm. that on its head and we say free people, free people. So here in your freedom, you are working to free other people from this same addiction. And I, I, I agree with you. I think the church has got to stop putting their head in the sand about any sort of sexual sin, because spoiler alert, the Lord designed us to have sex. Yeah. Designed us to have those that you were having (laughs) when you were masturbating. Like he, he designed you in a way to have those feelings and it's not shameful. And my husband and I always talk about how there's such an attack on like, uh, like marriage, sexuality within marriage. Like, you know, the joke is like, oh, once you get married, you don't do that anymore. But yet every commercial, every magazine, every song talks Mm -hmm. about engaging in sex. And it's like, what is wrong with us that we are more open to songs about it in like the single sense and the promiscuous sense, but, but we don't talk about it in marriage. Like that's what we should be talking about the healthy, the health, the healthy feelings of sexuality. And it's just so we have put, we have put so much shame on ourselves. that was never intended to be there by cloaking all of this. And especially as, especially as women, I mean, to your point, that conference that I went to was only talking about men. They did not talk about women and kids. And you are absolutely Mm. right about the second grade thing to any seventh grade, eighth grade parent listening. You are hitting yourself. If you think, I mean, my son, he only went to public school through, I think, third or fourth grade. And there was an instance where a kid had his phone out and Mm. uh, they were, they literally very innocently, they were like, what is sex? People keep saying this word and we don't know what it is. And guess what came up for them? And so you're right on with the age range. It needs to be talked about in the light. We need to shake off the power that the enemy has over this. These are things that we were designed to feel we just have to have more healthy conversations around them. Right. Yep, um, absolutely. we, we talk, we talk a lot about these little doors that we leave open to the devil and like that movie that was not a pornographic movie, but there's that. Right. Scene. And I just, the other yeah. day, I find this interesting. I saw an article about, uh, this music video. I don't know if I should say it or not. I'll just say it, but I don't know. I don't want people to go look it up, but if you're my age, right. if you're my age, you saw a specific music video where 
a singer who was like a Disney star came out and this was like her debut where she was not a Disney star anymore. Right. It was a racy mm-hmm. video, a music video. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember seeing it. I liked the singer, but I read an article about how it psychologically rewired a whole generation of men who saw it too young and did not realize the sexually explicit nature that they were being exposed to under the guise of entertainment. And mm-hmm. I was just like, that's so true. Like that was, I yeah. mean, my husband's my exact same age. He is that generation they're talking about where they, the first thing they were exposed to was not a healthy version of it. Right. And that's, that's one thing I learned as I've been, you know, you know, trying to educate myself on this topic. It's not always watching a pornographic film. It's, it's these, no. it's these things that are so ingrained into our media. And it's just, we really have to take a stand as the church to not be of the world yeah. on, on this topic, because the world is talking about it and they're mm-hmm. giving us the wrong version of it. And we yeah. have to talk about it. We have to talk about how to shake off the sin. If there was sin around it and how to be healthy sexually, yeah, like absolutely. biblically healthy, sexually it exists. Yeah. And it does. More of that talk. <laughs> yeah. So, and then an, another thing that I thought was interesting is, um, so I, I am really into pop culture and I follow all of the, the things. And I watched that documentary, um, about the kids that were abused by, uh, Michael Jackson. And oh, wow. there's famously, there's famously a guy that I knew he was a dance coach at the time. I went to some of his, his, uh, conventions. Wow. He famously flipped like for very many years, he was saying he never touched me. Nothing ever happened. And then as an adult, he switched his, he changed his wow. mind. And it's because like you were saying, people would come to him and say, has he abused you? Has he molested you? And he didn't know what those words meant. He was Mm. so young when it started that he did not know when they were asking him in open court, if he had been molested, he didn't know what molested meant. No one took the time to say like you first asking for that definition of masturbation. He needed that. He needed that definition Mm. of molestation because he was just so young. His little mind did not have a name for it. And that's the world that we're living in where they're being exposed to these things before they have the psychological term, before they know what kind of help they need to get for the sin. They don't even know what the sin is. And so, yeah, it's just, it's It's just scary. And I'm not a parent and I'm not God. So I don't have the answer of how to do that because there isn't one, there's not a blanket age or statement Mm -hmm. or perfect family scenario where this is the exact age and birthday that you're going to bring this up. So it just, it really comes back to living in the word and being rooted in the word and in the spirit and like being attentive to the promptings of the spirit, because maybe for some parents, it's going to be after the child is exposed to it because they're so young, but maybe for some parents, it's going to be having the courage to bring it up first in a safe trusted environment rather than when your kid is at school and is going to want to look it up on their own or whatever you know it just it really goes back to just listening to what the lord has in store for the family i think yeah and i also love the part where you talked about how you felt like you overcame this at a young age and then come high school college having it again. And I just recently went through a big thing where like I was face to face with someone that I thought I had long forgiven. 
and I wasn't. And it sent me into a, a deep spiral where I was like, I can't possibly help or talk to, I have no business in church, helping other people, leading life groups, encouraging mm. people. I have no business because clearly I'm not as free as I thought I was because I had no, this major lies. setback. <laughs> and yeah, I learned, uh, like I learned after months of being in like a dark place that it is not a setback. Like to me, yeah. the fact that you are sharing from the place of this could still be a thing that might come up for me tomorrow. Like, it's just, it's yeah. such a more authentic place to, to lead from. And to me, that's almost more, more inspiring than the very first time you found redemption, because like, there is nothing too big for the Lord to redeem. You could never be too far away. And, uh, you know, I love that verse. That's like his mercies start new ex- each morning, like our freedom Amen. journeys our freedom from yeah. our sins. We get to start every day. And it's, it was not a, it didn't disqualify, disqualify you from working on this, this, uh, mission. If anything, it just makes you like an even stronger soldier for it. Um, because it is not most healing is cyclical. It's not like, yeah, did it, you checked it off your list, you're done. And so, so I love that you're bringing truth to that, um, and light to that. And thank you so much for just sharing with me and being brave and, and sharing in the first place. I mean, um, <laughs> God is so good. Like without yes. him, none of this would be possible, but with him, all things are possible because he's strength. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, um, tell us, so I'm, I'm going to link to all of your, your, like your Instagram, your YouTube, uh, your website and everything, but tell us just kind of for people that, um, not everyone has time to like read the episode notes and everything. So tell us, um, where, where we can find you and where we can follow along with you and, and be a part of this series and, and support you. Absolutely. The easiest would just be the website joyandhope.org. So that links to everything. It links to the YouTube. It links to the podcast on Spotify. I will one day probably go to the website and figure out how to link every different one, but there are so many podcast platforms at this point that's overwhelming to me, but just look for the Joy and Hope podcast if you're a podcast person and you'll find it. If not, feel free to send me a message being like, hey, here's my platform. Please add your podcast (laughs) because it's all new to me because that's not my main, my main go-to platform, but just the website joyandhope.org should be able to take you everywhere else. Awesome. Okay. Well, that's kind of it. I normally close with like a little pitch or something, but I don't have anything. I think that, oh my gosh, I feel like we just, this is probably, I was talking to my husband about this last night. Um, cause I was like, I don't want the kids walking in like, yeah. you know, and so I was just giving a he- him a heads up on what we were going to be talking about. And I was like, this is probably not heavy in a bad way, but just for lack of a better word right now, the heaviest topic I've ever talked about. And for a podcast wow. that was born out of COVID, that's saying something. And so I, I always want to go there with people. Um, but I think my natural demeanor is just focusing on the kind of the the fun things. And so Mm -hmm. I love that we kind of got to talk about all of my favorite things. Like we got to talk about social Mm -hmm. and content creating and ministry and how our, our words can make such a difference. And then I got to hear like, you know, your personal testimony. And so I, I loved it. And I think this is going to be a really good episode for people. And I just appreciate you being here. Yes. Thanks. I appreciate you having me and giving a platform with which to share. That has been such a gift. Thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation. It's like filled me in a way that I didn't need. I didn't know I needed to be filled, but thank you for that. 
That's awesome.